Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game Talk, Episode 1. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. This week, I am joined by Jordan Hallow, president of the WVU Game Developers Club. Hey. And Connor Haynes, social media manager of the Game Developers Club. Hey, guys. And this is just sort of going to be your weekly show discussing all things game-related. Um, it'll be WVU's best game-related podcast because it's WVU's only game-related podcast. And... Um, this week, we're going to start off by talking about probably the biggest game out right now and biggest game that's come out in quite a while, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It came out day and date with the Switch. As of right now, it has more perfect scores than any other video game in history, according to Metacritic. Um, all three of us have played it extensively. I've put, I think, over 70 hours into it. Uh, Jordan? Yeah, at least 40. I definitely broke 60, but I'm not sure where. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I still have yet to beat the game, but you two have beaten the game, correct? I have. I have not. Oh, you have not. Okay. Yeah, um, it's just one of those games that you could literally play forever, I feel like. The, the amount of content in it, and just the amount of stuff you can do without actually doing anything, is just staggering. Just walking around the world, and just sort of experimenting to see what works and what doesn't work. That takes in time in and of itself, you know? Um, so, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on the game. Like, uh, give me your uh, favorite bits, your least favorite bits. What do you guys think of the game? Uh, well, I'd say it's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I definitely like the earlier parts of the game more than the later. Uh, I felt like the difficulty curve was almost non-existent, like... I thought it was really hard at the beginning, and then it never got any harder. It just got easier as I learned. So as you get more hard containers and progress through the game, I believe tougher versions of the enemies that exist spawn, correct? Uh, yeah, you're right. Or, yeah, I don't know if it's based on your progress or just like how long you've been playing or how many enemies you've killed. I want to say it's based off of hard containers. Otherwise, it's kind of it's tough to judge, right? Because you could theoretically just do the main... We'll try to avoid spoilers as much as possible, by the way. You could just do the main quote-unquote dungeons and, you know, proceed to the final area. And, you know, you'll only have, like, six or seven hearts, you know. And if those enemies were to spawn, they just one-shot you. So I think it does scale in accordance with your health. Right, but I don't think it was enough there. Because after my probably... 20th, 30th hour, I stopped getting hit. Like, it just didn't happen anymore. I don't think I got hit a single time in the final boss Maybe fight. you just got really good. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think the game got more difficult. Enemies just did more damage. Mm, I, I, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I would, I will say, though, that I do believe that this is the most difficult Zelda game. Oh, I would today. agree. I think it has the best combat of any Zelda game ever. Yeah. As it, well. it definitely uh, took some inspiration from Dark Souls, I think. Most difficult? Yes. I don't know. Do you, do you not agree with that? Zelda 2 was pretty tough. Well, okay. Yeah, I, I, haven't I played personally that. have not played Zelda 2, but I'll take your word I for it. I think part of it's just because you don't know what to do. But um. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that leads into another great thing. Nintendo, for the first time in over a decade, stopped holding your hand with the Zelda experience, you know? Like, Twilight Princess had that, like, two-hour-long tutorial. Oh, right? Skyward Swords was even worse. Skyward Swords was so bad, I didn't even get through it. <laughs> And, um, I mean, Wind Waker's was alright, but it was still there, right? This game just dumps you into the world and 
you're free to go. Your first main quest is destroy Ganon. Just is how cool is that? You know, you yeah. could you could do that immediately, or just wait 70, 80 hours when you're fully stocked and leveled up, and then do it. And there's no in between. I let me rephrase. There's all the in between because Nintendo doesn't tell you when to do things that you have to do. Right. I almost uh, I almost wish I had gone and fought him sooner because uh, I thought that the stuff you get throughout the game made the final boss fight way too easy. Oh, yeah, I certainly believe uh, that will probably be the case for me. Um, just being a completionist, I refuse to fight Ganon until I've completed pretty much everything I can in the game, and that'll easily take over 100 hours. And I suspect it'll be quite disappointing when I do because... I'll be quite overpowered, but that's the way I want to play the game. Um, I know speedrunners have been having a field day with this game. I think the current world record is under an hour. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's around 40 minutes, I think. That's pretty incredible. So I have some critical thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it didn't tell you how to cook at all. You kind of had to figure that out. Okay. I believed you when you first said that, <laughs> and then I watched my roommate see the dialogue that teaches you how to all cook. Right, but no, isn't that... So I th- believe the dialogue that tells you how to cook is optional, right? It is. Just yes. like everything else yes. in the game. But that's the the beauty of the game. The f- the physics-based nature of it is like it just it encourages you to think for of like if this should work in the game. It's like it probably will work in the game, right? So if you have raw ingredients and I you didn't have even the me- know you could drop things from the menu. And how was have- I supposed to know that? You never did that before you cooked in this game. You could hold things. You could equip, but you never. There was never a drop option. I. I mean, I. I didn't go out searching. For I mean, it. there I probably know. was. You're right, but I was too into the world. I wasn't looking at the menu and seeing if I could drop a stick. You know. I don't understand how that wasn't <laughs> the first thing you checked, though. Personally, like, because that was the first thing I checked. Like, I was just like, "Hey, I want to put stuff in this pot. I wonder if I can do that from the menu." I figured it would guide me. I think I that's see, I, that's, that's, that's figured wrong. That's not this Zelda. No, but um, I, I okay. I could see that as a valid cr- criticism of the game, though. The complete lack of direction can yeah. maybe sometimes confound people. I do agree. There are some elements missing from the tutorial that I didn't notice, though, because I had watched gameplay. Of, right. Uh, some of the first shrines. Uh, the shrine <laughs> in particular is uh, the oh, what's it called? Is it stasis where you can freeze yes. stuff? That shrine dungeon. I think is horrible. I think that it's a terrible tutorial, and I, I don't would, remember the. Specifics I would tear it to shreds. It, at one point in the dungeon, and I, I couldn't say this for myself, but I watched my roommate play it. He was stuck, um, and there was just a boulder blocking your path. Yeah. And all he had was an item to freeze things, and so he just sat there and he had no idea what to do, and he was there for twenty minutes, I think. And mm. the solution, of course, like was to freeze it and then hit it, and it right. gets out of your way. So but there was just no... There was a sledgehammer sitting next to it. One interesting thing I've noticed about the shrines, the title of the shrine kind of, like, gives you a hint as to what you need to do to solve the shrine, right? Yeah, usually. Um, so when I heard stasis, it instantly clicked for me. I was just like, okay, stasis is when you freeze an object in time. I just got that ability. I'm going to use that ability, and it was pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, I thought it was clear that you had to freeze stuff, and you had to do that earlier to, like, dodge boulders rolling at you and stuff. Right. But it just, like, the mental leap that you could freeze something and then hit it to move it just didn't happen for him, and I imagine that happened for other people as well. Okay. So do you guys imagine that maybe 
in, in the introductory area, let's say, where you get your primary abilities, if that was a little more tutorial heavy and then they let your hand go, it would come off be better? I just think they could have done with, I mean, I don't think, I don't believe the game needed a tutorial at all. I'm a firm believer that they could have done it. I mean, it didn't have one. Yeah, the same all. amount of dialogue it had, <clears throat> I think, was fine. I just think it would have been better if they made it, like, more likely that an enemy would hit a boulder to show you that that was an element in the game before. I don't think it would have required any explaining. I think they could have set up circumstances in that shrine to show you that that was a possibility. Right. And they didn't. Okay, yeah. There should be options to start it. Like, maybe you're doing a second playthrough and you don't need it, but also maybe you've never played a video game forever and you decide to pick up a Switch. There should be more detail, because we're all used to open, um, open world games. Someone that's not wouldn't a lot of the stuff wouldn't come naturally. So too, perhaps something at the beginning of the game where you indicate like, like your level of experience, sort of like I've played Zelda games right. slash open world games before, I have not, and then the tutorial sort of area can be tailored to that. I right. Think so. I would try to do it without <clears throat> a menu though. Like I would think, I mean, I think the way they did it is pretty good. Like if you know what to do, you just do it. If you don't, you talk to people. And I think that's a very natural way exactly. to present that, a tutorial. That, that's why, um, I mean, not just the tutorial, everything in the game works that way. Mm -hmm. If you think you could do something, you test it out and see if it does or does not work. Or talk to people and figure out what, you know, what works and what doesn't. It's a very natural way of learning. Uh, the way you learn how to play this game is masterful, in my opinion. Um, and I think something that Nintendo needs to employ in a lot of their games going forward. I and agree. I think, I mean, obviously they've seen the critical and uh, sales response to this, and I hope they take that to heart, you know? I can't imagine they won't with all the money they're making. Actually, I just saw a statement by Aonuma today, and he said all Zelda games for the foreseeable future will be quote-unquote open air going forward, which is what they call open world. Um, so in the same similar style of... Breath of the Wild, which excites me. I can but, see that upsetting some people. Yeah, let me get to... Uh, I, I was going to get to that. There are some very traditional Zelda things that are not in this game that I think if they were in this game, along with this new open-air style um, sort of gameplay, would make it an even better game. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, for instance, I missed themed dungeons. I miss that so much, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that themed dungeons are Zelda. 3D Zelda, at least, you know? Yeah, I, and, I mean, even 2D Zelda was all themed to dungeons, wasn't it? I can't think of a 2D Zelda that didn't have... I mean... The first one, the it first was a stretch, one, yeah, I was but thinking. they were themed. They just <laughs> But yeah, when you, think, yeah. when you think Zelda, you think dungeons, you think bosses, you think items, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and I think it's incredibly bold of them to rethink the foundations of what made that Zelda. But a, a lot of traditional fans, obviously, are going to be upset if those things just are gone. I mean, personally, I think the next move for them for their next Zelda game would be to have the Breath of the Wild style gameplay with more traditional Zelda elements injected into there. Yeah, I thought the shrines in this <coughs> were annoying because you had, like, if you wanted to do puzzles, you would just be constantly teleporting to shrines or seeking them out. And then, like, the actual dungeons getting the guardians, they're, without giving away detail, they're super short. And I thought the boss battle was super easy. Like yeah. there was, I, I agree. With if that. you were prepared yeah. at all, the boss battles. I I only died against one of the bosses ever. Yeah, yeah. and the design was not too inspiring. You know, they're all no. sort of yeah, generic look the same. clones of each other, right? Yeah. So that area definitely um, 
could have used improvement. Which, by the way, Breath of the Wild was delayed from its initial release date, correct? Oh, yeah, and they more said than they used yeah. that delay to sort of polish the game to its final form that we see now. Imagine if it was de- delayed, like, maybe another six months. Do you think we would have seen more traditional Zelda elements in place of those generic I don't dungeons? think six months would have been long enough to make Zelda dungeons. Mm-hmm. I want to know what took them an extra two years to fix. They started over, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. They started over at least once. Like, they just threw wow. out everything they had and started I did scratch. hear that initially, when this game was pitched, they actually built uh, the world of Breath of the Wild completely in 2D. And then they took that 2D world and sort of thought of how to make it as engaging in 3D. I didn't know that I, they that's built a game the world. I would like to see. I knew that they built the engine, like, and all the elements of the game. They would test it in a 2D space, and if it wasn't fun there, then there was no point in making it in 3D. Yeah, um, I, I don't know you, if it was the world. You could be correct. I I thought it was yeah. more. I thought it was closer to the Zelda One world. That's what the developer in, video said. In the style of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean. Incredible game. I'm still playing it <laughs> 70 hours in. Have not even beaten all the main dungeons, you know, much less uh, started the fight with Ganon, which, again, I think I still think that's the most incredible thing, that, like, your first quest in the game is also the last quest in the game, you know? It's just a beautiful sense of freedom. It is a bold that, statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of your overall quest in both. You're just, it's just more verbalized in this one. Yeah, I mean, it actually felt like no, I was... No, but in the pr- sense that they give it to you and you could straight up just do it then. Okay. Like, in all the other Zelda games, <coughs> I feel like I'm doing all this stuff so that I can get to the final boss fight. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, I felt like the the final boss fight is there. I just don't think I can do it yet. Exactly. Because They're I'm like, not ready. here's the final boss. Make of it what you will. <laughs> if yeah. you want to fight him, sure. If you don't want to, sure. You know? Um, but yeah... Great, great, excellent game. 10 out of 10 from me. I know Jordan's very critical of it. Actually, yeah, let's I... hear more from Jordan. Jordan, um, so you don't seem to be fawning over Breath of the Wild like the rest of us. It's not my favorite, no. The shrines really frustrated me. It's, and the lack of, I feel like it's a big empty world. There's a lot of in-between a... spaces. I think the in-between space is done very well in this game in that it, let, it gives you a chance to sort of it's like a very introspective sort of feeling when I'm just riding my horse across an open plane. Right, right. If the, if the shrines didn't have teleporting, it would be absolutely terrible. Yeah, but the shrines do have teleporting. Right. But then you miss how... Ha- well, I have an open world then if you're just going to no, teleport everywhere. So, like, um, to kind of rev- um, go against that point, the shrines do have teleporting, but I rarely ever use teleporting. I really? always you rarely run, use it? Or I always run or climb or ride yeah. to Unless my I'm destination. Unless I'm the map. I simply the because... Thing. This world has so many interesting things going on. On my way to my destination, I see something, like, probably that I've never seen before, and then I investigate that and learn another cool little mystery, Um, a cool trick, Easter egg, whatever, what have you, to uncover, right? I'm the same way. I really (coughs) regret, um, I really wanted to complete the world map early. Yeah. And I really regret doing that because... Once I'd been to a place, it wasn't as important to me to go back and explore it deeper. The game was at was... its best when you first discovered an area. And you could stretch that out by actually playing in that area right after discovering it. But if you discover it and leave, it's not as magical when you come back. I agree with that, but coming back has is extremely rewarding in that, 
yeah, you've discovered the area, but all that discovering the area does is reveal the geographic elements of it, right? It doesn't tell you what right. secrets lie within, right? So going back and actually experiencing that uh, with a geographic map, which is kind of nice, it doesn't divulge too much information. It just sort of helps you navigate, right? right. I also appreciate that it is just a traditional topographic map. Yeah, like you can exactly. look at it and see inclines and everything. Yeah, and that's like a skill people should know how to read a topographical <laughs> right. map. Right. So um, I have some issues with the game too. I agree with Jordan that the shrines weren't enough for me. The game likes to give you a shrine as a reward for a quest. I I absolutely agree with that. Every and I hate it. I hate it every single time. I I do this whole quest and I enjoy the quest all the way through. And then it, like, patronizes me with a shrine. I'm like, I don't want this. Every you know? Yeah, every single reward in the game, I think, is a shrine, correct? Yeah, That's, something yeah, like every that. Every single yeah. one. And um, it that really sort of defeats the sort of lust for doing, for, like, adventuring in the game because you know, regardless of what cool thing you find, what secret you stumble upon, your reward is just going to be a shrine and maybe a decent weapon or something, right? Yeah. I don't understand why they didn't make better weapons either as rewards for some of the longer quests. Right. Like, even if it's going to break, like, I would like to just have for a while a really strong weapon, especially because it's going to break. That makes it more valuable. I agree. And um, another thing that kind of bugged me was super long quest. Here's 300 rupees. That's your reward. Uh, yeah. Here's money. It was like, I don't need this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I thought rupees were more useful in this than any other Zelda game ever. Rupees were done very well. I, I, I enjoyed uh, spending and collecting money in this game. Yeah. I thought... I still didn't think I never they had were, an excess. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. No, I was, I was around... I mean, I did have an excess at one point, and I was like, oh, I can afford to go buy this house. Yeah. So... Spoilers. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the another... Motion, the motion controls in some of the shrines, too, could be touchy at times. They're very... They're god-awful. See, I... I hate it. There should be an option just to use an analog stick See, to turn it. they say that playing on the Switch. I played it on the Wii U, and I had no problem ever doing any of the motion That's controls. That's interesting. Yeah, I... I thought it was easy. I'm right there with you, Jordan. They gave me nightmares. I wanted to I couldn't throw do it that handheld thing then. across the room. I instantly... <laughs> I instantly finished them, instantly got it, had no problem at all. Yeah. I guess that's one thing, one perk for the Wii U version. Yeah. Um, one Another criticism I have, though, um, is the music, right? Um, the music, I think, in the game is great. There's just not enough of it, and it's not iconic enough for Zelda. Yeah, I think it's very telling. I mean, I think that the music did what they set out to do really well. They just wanted it to be ambient noise. But um, I think it's really telling that if you look up a YouTube video or anything of people playing... Uh, this, the new Zelda game, it's not music from that Zelda game. It's always older music right. that they're going to use as their intro. No, stuff. like I said, each Zelda game introduces at least one theme that's iconic, you know? when you, I always say this to people, that Star Wars music is to, like, music mo uh, movie music as Zelda music is to game music. Like, Zelda music is some of the most iconic game music of all time. And, um... So when the the bar is set that high, it's sort of disappointing when the soundtrack isn't as engaging as previous entries. Jordan, yep. you look like you want to say something. <laughs> I feel like I always disagree with you, but honestly, I kind of like the less sound. And then you could recognize the theme in certain spots of it. No, no, no. I, I, right. Don't get me and wrong. Like, I enjoy the soundtrack very much. A similar thing was said about the Switch, how there's no music on the menu, and <coughs> people hate that. I think it's nice. I, I like I that. Thought it, yeah. I thought that was a great choice, actually, and how yeah. it just opens... With small text, no like, 
uh, extravagant menu or anything, just The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's yeah. a very m- minimalist approach. I do. The only, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I think that the music fit what they wanted, like, thematically, it fit really, really well. I agree. But if you ask me to hum a song from Breath of the Wild right now, I couldn't I, do yeah, it. Yeah, I couldn't do and it. And I don't think I could... There, it's, it's, there's no other I mean, Zelda game sort that of I care about so much. To that hum, I can say that. It's sort of hard to hum staccato piano music, you know? Yeah. It just sounds like a dolphin chirping or something. Um, but yeah, I mean... Small, I, I guess the Guardian the, theme in, 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 is pretty iconic. Eh, meh. That's all I got to say. Like, I mean, that. if I heard that walking around, I would, I would like, tense up probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you guys see that April Fool's joke from GameSpot.com? Yeah. I fell for that so hard. Okay, so Jordan, tell me, what, I, I probably have. Um, so they put out an article. It's like if you combine these three rare items with like a giant ancient core, you create an item called like an ancient key, and you can use the key to pilot guardians, like control them. And I totally fell for it. Oh, I was like, this is the on. coolest thing. I knew it was yeah. fake the and second I saw I, it. I fall for April Fool's stuff every year. Um, I which the sort whole of video, a tangent, but... sort of a tangent. Uh, that ar- that already burned me on April Fools, and then later that day when my friend told me, "Oh, the new season of Rick and Morty is out," I was just like, "No, it's not. I'm not even gonna entertain this with you know checking." And then I checked, and it was out, and that was the greatest reverse April Fools joke I've ever seen in my it life. It was really good. Um, also, let's just talk about April Fools for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff out there. Google made that gnome thing. It's outside. It's like their home, but it's gnome. Oh, yeah. I thought garden. that was hilarious. Yeah, people, I don't know. A lot of companies have too much fun, I think, with April Fool's. Maps, you guys Maps had Pac-Man again. Reddit's April Fool's Day this year wasn't funny at all, but it was kind of cool. It was a, a subreddit called Place, and it was just this giant canvas, and I think it was every five minutes you could place one pixel. Okay. And it was like, it just became an all-out war, and they left it up for three days, I think. And it's Jeez. finished now, and like, the stuff people <coughs> were able to create despite fighting each other so chaotically. It's pretty impressive. The hive mind created something beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, getting back on topic. Um, yeah, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a fantastic game, one of Nintendo's best, and that is saying something, considering the pedigree of that studio, you know? Um, I know, Jordan, uh, you don't think so, but your it's opinions... One, it's just definitely the top three. See, yeah, even the the guy who ragged on the game thinks that, so what does that say? But yeah, if you haven't played it yet, definitely go out and check it out. You owe it your, to yourself, um, Zelda fan or not, to check out this game. Yeah, um, yeah. I have, a, I have a closing question for you. Andy. Sure. Would it have been better with achievements? Okay, yes, it would have been. I disagree. I think it absolutely would have clouded the it, vision. It didn't need achievements at all to be a great game. <laughs> All right, uh, for more on that, listen to our next episode. Uh, anyway, moving on to our next topic, um, digital and physical storefronts. So um, I think we have very different opinions on this topic as well, Jordan. Um, you think physical storefronts are more, what is it, relevant, important, salient than... Digital? Did you say that? I might be putting words in your I mouth. I just like having a physical copy of all the software I have oh, in I, case I, I you know, for backup agree. purposes and just you know <coughs> if, if you're in a place that doesn't have internet or you're on an airplane I guess and you have your laptop you can play your game if you didn't download it. 
Okay. Offline. You can still you can play a downloaded game offline on your laptop. Yeah, but it has to be downloaded. If I decide I want to play a game that I haven't downloaded, then you're not going to be able to. You don't own that game. But you're I not can be play able to go it with buy my it. disc. <laughs> okay, so let's move more towards. Who's going to carry a disc? Their disc collection on an airplane. <laughs> it's like the CD collections in the '90s. People did that. People did do that. Just get but... a bigger hard drive. <laughs> Let's move on toward, to the actual storefronts themselves, like physical stores like GameStop, EB Games, digital storefronts like Steam, um, Itch.io, the PlayStation Network. Where do you guys lie on, Connor, you want to say I'm, I'm real passionate about this topic. The only storefront that is bad enough, the only online storefront horrible enough to get me to go to a GameStop okay. is Nintendo's. And it's atrocious, and it always has been, and I'm not confident the Switch is going to do better. Uh, confession, I really have, I don't think I've ever bought anything from a Nintendo's eShop. It's so. a nightmare. There's no refunds at all, which I think is true on the 360, or whatever, Xbox Live, and PlayStation And PlayStation, Network. yeah. That's a thing. That's atrocious, <laughs> guys. You can't do that. But, um, I also just, I don't know, Nintendo's the only one so bad that I will never do it again. So what was bad about it? I just, I bought it. Their store, this is partially my bad, I'll be honest, but I was already frustrated. I wanted a copy of Breath of the Wild. Is release day. I bought it online, mm-hmm. and I, I had bought the, the biggest Wii U you could, and I'd never downloaded a game ever. Yeah. And, and I'd only played, and it, like, and it couldn't fit? Uh, yeah, it couldn't fit. <laughs> That's really funny. So I had to delete, like, a little bit of DLC I'd bought or something. Yeah. Like, it, and it, they didn't tell me it didn't fit until I'd already given them my $60. And that's so, what's no, bad. Are you sure it didn't say, like... I am 100% on sure. On the game page, the size of the it download? It said the size of the download, but there's no good reason they couldn't have told me. Like, I didn't check what I had left because I'd never downloaded anything. Mm. So there was no good reason for them to not I, tell me. I feel like that's more inherent for the of the Wii U's, like, lack of a normal hard drive than anything. You know, like, that's the source of that problem. Like, I mean, but the their store could have told me before I bought a game whether or not I had space for it. Mm-hmm. That's not hard. Yeah. They could have done it. So you feel gypped by Nintendo. I definitely do. <laughs> yeah. I'm very upset about it. I agree with you, Connor. Um, <coughs> on, I remember on the Wii buying things, I would always have to check. I would go back to my memory management mm. to make sure I had space to get the thing I wanted. So I, I was always uh, super and extra careful about that. And the Wii's UI was not the snappiest, so we were right. waiting Neither is the Wii U. <laughs> right. Switch, on the other hand. The Switch is beautiful. Yeah, the UI yeah. was good, but, but anyway. Unrelated. But you have to give Nintendo credit for the bit of improvement they've done. I think it, they used to... Tra- um, the currency used to convert to coins or something, originally, Nint- or Nintendo points. Honestly, stuff like yeah. this makes, yes. makes now me now it's dollars. Now again. it's dollars. Stuff so. like this makes me roll my roll my eyes so much. Nintendo is just so weird. You know, I love them, but they're so weird and so behind like current trends. Well, buying a currency is actually what like a lot of oh, Candy Crush and a lot of them still do because it makes it's a psychological thing. People think they have more of it. They're getting a lot for the money they're spending. When yeah, really they're but I think for a straight-up storefront, then it should just be like walking into a physical place, right? You exchange money instead of some third weird... Yeah, I would agree you with know. you. Well, the, the only pro to that, though, is if you were buying games between regions, it's universal currency. That's true. Yeah, but I mean... Maybe not a good enough argument not many for people it. I don't do that, though, so there's it's more cons than pros there. But let's talk about... Okay, so can we all agree that physical is going to be gone sooner rather than later. I think... No. Yeah, so, no. I can't agree with that. I think we're moving towards an all-digital future. Not, I mean, I think I'm moving towards an all-digital future, personally. Not when Nintendo only releases consoles with 32 gigabytes on them. Yeah. Right, but, I mean, if you look at the graph, like the I mean, trend... What, what is soon to you? 
I'd say within the next 10 years, it's all digital. Okay, I'd say in 20. I wouldn't say 10. Okay. But, like, the point still stands. Eventually, we'll be all digital, you yeah. think. Which, I, I, I do think that'll happen. I also think that's kind of sad, because I do enjoy my physical media. I like physically owning something, as opposed to just... I mean, it's just a personal preference type thing, but I know I'm not alone in that. I know you feel the same way, Jordan, right? Yeah. I don't know if I don't think it's going to work though cuz oh, they have a lot of um connections with these physical retailers and if they stop selling physical games, you know, GameStop's not going to be around. I mean, GameStop's already, GameStop's already shut it down. Yeah. Their GameStop's hurting. going to be done soon, I think. And I good riddance. I <laughs> I have never had a positive experience with GameStop ever. Okay, I'm not, I I just I was just saying in general physical retailers, but people still on Amazon you can get a new game at launch, and it's mm-hmm. the physical game is cheaper than if you buy the download code for it. Which is just insane. Is that really true? Yes. Wow. The, all, like, for example, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe coming out at the end of April. It's well, only $50 with Prime. And I think Best Buy has a similar program, too. It's like $50 versus 60 for the download code. That's a little bit on <laughs> Nintendo, though. But I do think it's it's in these big companies' best interest to push the digital-only future because then they get to cut out the middleman. They get to cut out the whole, you know, they don't have to worry about making physical media, right? They don't have to worry about the cost of shipping. All that just gets cut out, and they get more money. So right. certainly they're going to be pushing that. And they can just, also sell from their own storefronts. It's fronts. just a question of them so. easing the like the public consciousness to like be cool with a digital future, which I do not think they are with as of right now. Um, the money would just shift around because they would need to increase their digital infrastructure substantially. Nintendo definitely would have to, yeah, yes. Nintendo but, would. like, I, I could see Microsoft pulling it off just fine, Steam. Oh, yeah, Microsoft, it off just Microsoft fine. already has the Windows Store. I mean, and, and Steam is. I, yeah. No one buys physical Steam games. As a whole, we're getting there. Exist. I don't think we'll be all digital till 30 years. 30. Okay, so we got 10, 20, 30. All right. So if you're listening to this in the future, check. Get back to us, and we'll see who was right. Um, so, Connor, um, you're you're into these sort of more indie-focused storefronts, correct? So why don't you talk a little bit about those? Okay, um, <coughs> I've just recently been... Uh, so I I make games. I think we all make games. And, um, uh, you you, I, you I definitely... You're, you're, I mean, you're more prolific I'm, of a game maker, I think, than most of us. Okay, um, and I... I've always posted my games on a storefront called itch.io, and I like them a lot, and I like their community, I like their user interface, but recently I, uh, I started looking into a site called Game Jolt. I'd only ever posted one game there, and uh, I didn't get nearly as many views, and I just didn't click with the community, I guess, I don't know, and I just never used it again. But uh, I did have some really positive experiences with them uh, that I'm going to point out. My first game I ever posted there I did it, and the creator of the website actually played it, commented on it, and then tweeted at me. Nice. Like he he really reached out, and like, I don't know, that made me feel good. I I assume he does that to a lot of people. Right. But it was a it was a very welcoming feeling, and uh, I don't know if if not for somewhat disliking their user interface, I would have probably stuck with them instead of itch.io, who mm-hmm. I've never heard from anyone. On. Right. So these sort of like these up-and-coming storefronts, what what do you think they could do to sort of take the next leap in popularity, right? So Because I can guarantee you a lot of people have never heard of itch.io or GameJolt and have heard of Steam or Xbox Live, right? 
Right, and I think that's really <clears throat> difficult to do, especially when people won't even like use something AAA like Origin. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're doing the right thing right now. They're targeting indies definitely. They're not really welcoming AAA. I mean, they're almost mocking them. They, there were a right. bunch of April Fool's jokes mocking the AAA industry from these sites and stuff. And I think that's okay. It's all in good fun. They weren't mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. But they're pointing out how terrible Steam is with, like, really low-budget indie games. Right. Steam definitely has. And I'm starting to see that personally playing on PlayStation. I'm starting to see that, too. Just the there's no curation. Right. And I think Itch.io... <laughs> I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure they're featured in everything. They have employees playing those games mm-hmm. and, like, actually curating their front page. Right. And that's great because, like, they actually play the games and decide what's good, whereas Steam's using algorithms that I can tell you don't work. I've, right. I have not seen a game on Steam's front page that I wanted to buy in months. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't happened. I've had to look. I've had to go and search it out for myself. I think their algorithms just don't work at all. And I also think Greenlight is a mess, and they agree. They're getting rid of it. So as far as featuring quality games goes, they seem to be on top of that. I think itch.io definitely is. Um, Game Jolt, not as much. But I was getting towards, in in order to expand their audience, do you think maybe they should bite the bullet and put a couple AAA titles up on I think it would have to be exclusive for it to do any good. Mm, Right, because... Otherwise, so, they just go to the platforms. Yeah, and I mean, up. if anything, they could maybe get. I, I think Triple I is a, a term that's coming I, really? out recently. That's yeah, really and that's I've never heard of that. Bigger budget indie games. Wow. And I think if they could get an exclusive from that field, then they're not only going to get a bigger audience, but they're going to get a bigger audience that is more targeted at indie games. I mean, the indie game development scene is only growing, and it's only going to grow, right? Right, which so is terrifying and amazing at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a leap of logic to assume that we'll get our first, quote-unquote, triple-I indie game on one of these storefronts, only available on one of these storefronts. And it's just so good that people, you know, will access the storefront to get it and then become acclimated to that storefront, giving it more revenue, more popularity. Right, and they're already doing a lot of stuff to attract developers. Like, I know that the, um, I mean, I haven't seen, there's an NDA you have to sign to work with Valve and stuff to get a game put on Steam, so I haven't seen the numbers. But I can say with high certainty that Itch.io takes a smaller cut, and you get to choose the cut. Like, when Mm -hmm. you put a game on Itch.io, there's like a sliding bar, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't charge for any of mine. But there's a sliding bar for how much money goes to you and how much money goes to Itch.io. And I think... 10% 10% is the minimum, I think. Okay. So, but that level, that's pretty low. That, that level of, um, that option of customization is definitely welcome, though, you know? Definitely. I mean, you know, I think pay what you want is a huge thing right now. Right. So, yeah, you, you I've been learning a lot about these storefronts from you uh, just now, so it seems like they've got a lot, a lot of solid ideas. Yeah, right? it's also worth noting itch, itch.io and GameJolt both have a client as well. To, like, compete with the Steam okay. client. Nice. I didn't know that. Itch cool. has a really good client, and it also has, like, um, I don't know what the term is. I call them Delta updates, where it actually it doesn't make you re-download the entire game. It just downloads what changed. Uh, okay. I don't know that GameJolt so, supports that yet. Okay. Similar to, like, just a patch? Just right. a patch, yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's super important, and that's a feature that a lot of these sites did not have previously. Great. Okay. How much marketing have these um, smaller... 
uh, stores done to the mass media, though? Because I know, like, whenever they advertise for, like, the new AAA games <coughs> on TV, I'll see, like, a little Steam icon below with the PlayStation and stuff. I don't know if Game Jolt and Edge have really right. pushed that. I, I think, think they, they definitely have. don't. I think they rely on the people making games. Yeah. They rely on uh, the developers saying, hey, you want to buy our game, you're going to have to come here to do it. And then people see this site, and they're like, oh, this is right. pretty cool. I'll stick around here. Yeah, but without some sort of stronger marketing initiative, right, I don't I think agree. they're ever going to... They're never going to be something that the average person knows about. Right. Because every time I tell somebody to play my games, they've never heard of either of those. Right. I mean, I hadn't heard of either until I joined the club, so... Right. Um, and I... Neither did I. feel like I know quite a bit about games and game platforms, and that's... Right. I mean, I would have even, before <laughs> I joined the club, I considered myself pretty big into indie games, and I'd never heard yeah. of it. So during that discussion, you guys also brought up another um, advantage to physical storefronts is that Nintendo and or GameStop, they curate what games are on those shelves. There's limited shelf space. Absolutely. These digital marketplaces, there's so many. And this was what caused um, the video game crash in 1983 is there were so many games, like most of them were crap, except for the ones from Atari and Activision mostly. Right. No, so that, no that's one knew an excellent what the good point. games were, and yeah. that's why it almost killed the whole industry. In that's an excellent point I had never considered. Um, crazy and scary statistic. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, but in 2016, there were more games released on Steam than all the other years combined. <laughs> yeah, I was reading 38% of the games on Steam were from last year. I, I did hear this, and I, I heard a lot of people saying that this was some huge problem, that all these games were getting on Steam, and I don't agree with that at all. I think it should be a pretty open storefront. I think you should be able to get your game on Steam. I just don't think people should be able to see it unless it's good. I, I could agree with that, I think yeah. the front page should be curated, but actually but getting it on the store should not the be. The problem is it's not, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's definitely not. It's a problem. Yeah. Plus, uh, actually, let me rethink my stance on that. I do think... there's sh- uh, Yeah, games are art, and art is sub- subjective inherently, right? But I do think for a game... To be for you to ask money for a product that you put out there, being the game, I think it needs to objectively reach some threshold of quality. So like if you just push out like a buggy mess, like buggy incoherent mess, and ask for five dollars, and even if you make, even if it sells like two or three copies, is that still okay? You think? I mean, I think you'd have to be a very uneducated consumer to buy that game. I mean, you would be, yeah, but just the fact that that's an option sort of, I think that kind of brings down gaming, like the gaming industry as a whole, the fact that um, it's possible to just, you know, throw together something and ask for money on it because these digital storefronts are not very good with their curation. But if even one person wants to buy that and you don't have it on your store, you're leaving money on the table. How should the front page be curated? By views, by downloads, by rating? I actually, have you guys um, read or watched any of the stuff they've been putting out recently? I think a video came out yesterday with Total Biscuit. Um, they want to have what's called Steam Explorers, which is going to be an extension of their curator system. And you're basically going to like subscribe to curators, is what I understand. And they're going to make your front page. So they're, they're outsourcing it to their fans, obviously, which I'm against. But... It's a better system than we have now. They want to use curators, and, like, the curators can actually, like, games will be shown based on reviews by these curators, and also these curators can create a page for you to look at games that they thought are good enough to sell. And there's also Steam Explorers, which 
I think they get to buy one game and refund one game a week, no questions asked. Mm. And they can play through it. And this will be a program. Not all games will be explorable, Steam explorable. And they play it, and they say, hey, this is terrible. Nobody would ever want this. Right. Or they say, hey, maybe this doesn't look great, but it actually does this one really interesting thing that makes it worth having on the store where people can see it. Okay, so it's cool that they're actually taking steps to sort of, you know, to kind of, like, stem the flow of, like, really mediocre games, right? Right, and they're, they're working they're with some of their biggest critics. Like, okay. Jim Sterling was there, and he drags them through the gutter yeah. once a week. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, it's good to hear that there's an effort being made there. Um, yeah, I mean, just to sort of round off on the topic, personally, if you asked me to go all digital right now, I would not want to do that. Just because I enjoy physical media so much, and I don't think we're at the point yet where... Um, we're not at the point yet where an all-digital future for everyone is, you know, possible. But I do think we're, it's inevitable and that we're going there. Any closing, I, I would ta- I would take the plunge now. Yeah, um, I know a lot of PC gamers definitely yeah, would. It, yeah. it influences, like, when I'm thinking of where I'm going to live, you know, when I graduate, internet speed is a huge, right. you know, boon to that, I guess. I suppose it's just a sort of petty thing. I like to, like, look at my games and just be like, huh, that exists, you know? Yeah, I guess I don't... It's No, but your, yours yeah. definitely makes more sense to me. I don't know why I'm like that. But, uh, Jordan, any closing thoughts? No, I, I I agree with most of what you guys said about the game marketplaces. Would you take the dig- all digital plunge right now if someone held a gun no. up your head? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. So we got a no from me, no from Jordan, yes from Connor. Okay. Um. All right. So let's just kind of kick back and just talk about games we've been playing the past week and Zelda's off limits. Zelda's off limits. Shoot. Okay. Um. Let's start with you, Connor. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Kerbal Space Program again. I've actually never played. So uh, I got. I've into, heard great things. I got into Kerbal Space Program long <coughs> before it released. Released. It was a. Uh, I think it was beta, not alpha. But um, they didn't have money or science in the game yet, so there was no real progression mm-hmm. except like your skill progression as you got farther. And. Um, I was pretty impressed with it. I'd checked on it a couple of times since those things got added and hated them. But I actually sat down and tried to actually play through it. And, of course, I didn't. I definitely didn't reach what I would call the end of the game. I think I got to um, the game's equivalent of Mars. I got to that mission. And then I just decided, like, uh, I don't feel like balancing this budget anymore or de- dealing with science. So I just went back to playing the sandbox mode where you have everything unlocked. So for those who don't know, can you give a oh, quick, yeah. like, synopsis of the Kerbal game? Space Program is more, it's almost more of a simulator than a game, but uh, you play as a space program, and you go into a, like, an almost spore-like editor, and you build your spaceship, and then you go and you launch it, and you actually pilot the ship going on these different missions, and it has realistic gravity simulations, and uh, recently they made the aerodynamics of the game much more realistic. And uh, really, it's it's a very real thing. The only it's much easier because I believe the Earth in the game is a sixth the size of the real Earth. So I it's, see. Gravity's lighter. It's much easier to get into orbit. So when you're smaller. when you're on a planet, can you move around on yeah, it? Yeah, you can get out. You can get your astronauts out and walk around, really? collect soil samples. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, it's made in Unity, too. Really. Yeah. And it's it's just a phenomenal game. I love everything about it. It. 
It has so much replayability. Uh, just so it's like No Man's Sky with direction. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what if that was a good game? It's also, <laughs> I mean, I thought of, I wish Spore's space stage had been more like it. Because it, it plays a lot like Spore, where you're building your spaceship and all. Right. And there's just so much you can do in it. Like, I've seen challenges. Uh, people can get to the farthest planet in the game with, like, a four-ton rocket. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, four tons is nothing. My rocket to get to the moon is, like, so. 20. So what's, like, kind of the scope? Is it solar system, galactic? Yeah, it's one solar system. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, they, to kind of ease out the difficulty a bit, they gave the, the main, the Earth planet, they gave it two moons, one being smaller, <laughs> farther away, and on a, not, not on an equatorial axis. It's kind of tilted. Yeah. So you have to, like... And you can explore the moons as well. Yeah. You can land nice. on them, walk around on them. Yeah. There is, it sounds like my kind of game. Yeah, the only thing you can't land on is a gas giant and the sun. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's uh, it's very fun. I love... I don't know. I'd find it hard-pressed to find complaints about it. Uh, the learning curve is very, very steep. Okay. Uh, I had a lot of trouble with it. And I'm still not very good at the game, I would say. I have, I think, 200 hours. And I would still consider hours. myself bad at it. Wow. Uh and I don't use, there are mods and everything to make it a little easier. Like, um, uh, delta V is a term used to, it means the amount of velocity you can change given your current amount of fuel. And there are mods that calculate that for you and stuff, but I just kind of eyeball it. Yeah. So that makes me bad at the game. But that's just the way I choose to play it. I wonder how actual astronauts would play this game, you know? Um, I mean, do you think they NASA, would actually NASA's calculate? worked with the Kerbal Space Program guys. Really? Wow. And I, I, so so yeah. their math is accurate. Oh, then. yeah, for sure. Yeah. They actually released <clears throat> missions at one point, I believe. NASA helped them design missions to release for the game. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's it's very cool. You can, like, at, they're asteroids, too. And you can fly up, rendezvous with these asteroids, attach to them, and fly them back. And I've seen people land them and stuff. Like That's these so ma- cool. Yeah. Wow. I think you might have just convinced me to buy this game. It's in a, uh, don't buy it right off the bat. It actually has one of the best demos of any game I've ever played. Really? I got 20 hours. Is it, is it only on PC? It is. Okay. No, wait. That may not be true. I don't. The demo, I think, is PC only. I'll look only, into it. Okay. But Kerbal Space Program itself is not PC only. All right. That, uh, yeah. I got 20. The demo is just some earlier parts in the game and the moon. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check that demo out, and if I like it, I'm probably going to get it on PlayStation for it's them uh, trophies. It's so good. Um, Jordan, what about you? Snipperclips. Snipperclips. <laughs> Just back away from the mic. That's all you got to say. No, so so um, <laughs> for those who don't know, what is Snipperclips? So basically, it's it's you can play it single player, <laughs> but it's better with at least two people. Um, you each control this little paper character, and you cut each other to form shapes or play basketball or get eggs to the nest all kinds of different kind of mini puzzle things so it's a sort of like a bunch of mini games um that's best played with a partner i guess yeah they're you, all yeah have and you been playing it single player or have you been i've playing? done it a little bit single player it's it's a lot more frustrating when you're by yourself actually yeah so uh snipperclips kind of continues the switch's philosophy of like great co-op Right, so um, I think it's cool that, to see a game like that on launch for the Switch. Um, I played the demo with some friends, and it's a lot of fun. So I can definitely vouch for it. Um, how, how much content is there in the game? Like, how many levels? There's 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 a good number of levels for what you pay. I think it's like twenty bucks. Twenty dollars, yeah. Yeah, 
<clears throat> Maybe 15, actually. I don't know. No, I think it's 20. I, I want to say 20. Okay. I don't know yeah. the Switch, though. Yeah, there's multiple, like, worlds, I guess. It's, like, groups of levels. So, was it? And then there's some levels that you can only play with three or four people, so... Was it released only on the eShop? Yes. I won't be getting it. <laughs> yes, it's only on the eShop. Um, the problem with... So One there's the no things, physical no physical version. If it was physical, they'd have to charge more money because Nintendo has a policy with the Switch that they can't charge cheaper for the download versions I see. than the retail. Okay. Anything else? Um, Snipperclips? Try it. Yeah, Snipperclips is... Get Snipperclips. Snipperclips is the Definitely stuff. the second yeah. best game right now, I think. I feel like <laughs> I talked about Cribble Space Program for too long now. <laughs> uh, no, um... I just love much no, to say about Snipperclips. No, I mean, Snipperclips. I think there's more to talk about for Cribble Space Program than yeah. slip, Snipperclips. But, um... Okay, so th- I'm kind of cheating because this isn't a game I played um, the past week, but the the other major game I played recently... Other obviously than Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, it's a game called Horizon Zero Dawn. I knew you were gonna say that. For only on the PlayStation, um, it is an incredible game. Um, it's an open world action adventure game um, with a sci-fi backdrop. So the premise is it takes place uh, an undisclosed amount of time in the future on Earth. <coughs> Humanity has become tribal again. Um, there are villages scattered all over the continent, and there are these giant machine-like dinosaurs roaming the planet. Um, why? Who knows? That's, that's part of the mystery and part of the allure of the game. And these people um, hunt these machines down for parts to sort of, like, enhance their daily lives. And um, the protagonist of the game is a woman named Aloy. And there's just such a level of intrigue and mystery and a sense of real history to the game that I haven't really seen in games that I've played recently. Just the level of lore in the game is fascinating. Like, normally when you have, like, 20, you know, audio logs to listen to to find throughout the world, you're just like, okay, you know, probably going to pass on that. But I vehemently sought out these audio logs because I wanted to learn more, just get a little sliver more information about why the world was ruined the way it was, where these machines came from, like who is Aloy exactly. Um, So the lore is great. Another great thing about the game is the gameplay itself. Just the action in the game is pulse pounding. Um, These robot dinosaurs don't move the way you think they will. They are very... um, their behavior is very erratic, but at the same time, it l- makes complete sense from like their design perspective, like the movements they make. And you have to really kind of have quick reaction times and um, really sort of like discern like, okay, uh, this person, this this machine has a fuel tank on its belly. If I shoot that with a fire arrow, it'll explode and do extra damage. That sort of thing. So you sort of like parse together a strategy based off the construction of the machine itself, and I think that's really cool. That is very cool. Um, Massive game. It took me 45 hours to Platinum, so I beat the game in, I think, I want to say, like, 35 hours, and then it took an extra 10 to, like, get all the collectibles and stuff. But that, along with Zelda, pretty much constituted my spring break. Um, Both open worlds, both very different, but both must-plays, in my opinion. I'm interested in the audio logs. Would you say that that was, like, the best way to deliver their story? Um, so, the audio logs was certainly the best way to d- deliver 
the history and lore. The actual story itself, you know, progresses as you play the game. Okay. Um, and because for this particular game, the history and lore is so important and intrinsic to the current story itself, um, often in the story, you'd uh, listen to conversations that occurred in the past and just straight up just listen to conversations or watch a video, which I th- could get kind of clunky if you weren't into the story, right? Just right. like a stretch of just audio dialogue but because i was so enthralled by like the sci-fi premise i bought into it and i totally dropped what i was doing totally willing to listen to this 10 minute long conversation between two long dead characters okay so i thought it was great but i can definitely see objectively how people could have a problem with it because i uh, i'm more into the um the dark soul style of world building and lore delivery, right where right. it's like really cryptic you have to really seek it out right and I, i've never enjoyed an audio log that i've found in a game ever right it, uh, Except I I I, I kind of with you there. I never listened to audio logs either before this game. So you would say it's really well done. It's done game. extremely well. Best okay. I've seen in the game. Um, the the way the lore is presented is definitely different from Dark Souls though. Dark Souls is very like well, yeah, environmental I, I storytelling. Yeah. This is sort of just like piecing together the mystery from like what you hear, stories you hear. Um, but a very cool game, PlayStation exclusive. Jordan, get a PS4. That PS3 is just gonna, you know. It's going to die one day. <laughs> yeah. And Connor, I don't know. You probably will never get a PlayStation, but yeah, it's it, low it, on my priority list. It's a, it's a, it's a very cool game. If you have a PlayStation, I'm definitely. I'm probably gonna borrow one this summer. Yeah. If you so. borrow it, I'll let you borrow Horizon. I mean, so what other exclusives are there? Bloodborne. On PlayStation. Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne's Bloodborne's the big one. That's the one I want. Is the goat. Uncharted. Um, Uncharted Four, which personally, Uncharted is my favorite series, so that's a big deal for me. Yeah. Same. Uh, coming up, The Last of Us Two. <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm not what as I was excited about to ask for that about. one. When's that, oh, when's are you that coming me? out? Um, a long time from now. <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, long, might as well go out and buy one today. Okay, then. so let's see. Uh, just this year, uh, near Automata as well. Uh, uh, I, I that have... is not exclusive. I don't think. Oh, it's on PC as well. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, so oh, PS4 I was, I was and say, I was like yeah. this close to buying it. Yeah. Um, I haven't played it, but I've heard great things. It's got a great Metacritic score. I hear it's one um, of those stories. Ra- Ratchet and Clank. If you ever played Ratchet and Clank as a kid, the remaster they put on PlayStation is phenomenal. It's not even, no, let me, excuse me. It's not a remaster, it's a remake. Uh, they remade the first game from the ground up, and it's a lot of fun. Um, is there any Little Big Planet? There is Little there, Big Planet uh, 3. Yeah, Little Big Planet 3. It's been out for a while. It's on, yeah, it's on, it's on 3 and 4. Well. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. And uh, Media Molecule's new game, Dreams, if they ever finish it. I, I love Media Molecule. They're one of my favorite studios. <laughs> Have you looked into Dreams at all? Vaguely, like a long I time ago. I think it would be really up your alley. Yeah. It probably would. Uh, I loved Little Big Planet. I yeah. loved Mod Nation Racers. Certainly, they're definitely Sony's most creative studio, bar none. Um, they're always interested to see what they do. I'm wor- kind of worried about them, though, because this, this da- game doesn't come out soon. I feel like Sony will you know, put them on the chopping block. Oh, yeah. But um, I'll tell you what. I'll buy a PS4 if they release Little Big Planet Karting 2, or a new Jack and Dexter game. Oh, I actually heard um through from their the PS2 on PS4 feature. I don't know if you guys know about that. They're bringing PS2 games to PS4, um, upresing them to 1080p, making them have a stable frame rate. Frame rate. Anyway, uh, they're putting the entire Jack collection along with Jack X on PS4, which I think is really cool. That was just announced like yesterday, I think. Okay. And I'm a huge Jack and Daxter fan, so that's. Did you hear uh, Crash Bandicoot may not be exclusive? So, it is and it isn't. You know, it's so weird. Like one day it is, one day it's not. I think currently the story is that it is exclusive, but who knows? You know, 
Um, I mean, it's it's being made by Activision, I believe. So, um, it, I could totally see that being on Xbox Switch. That would just be you know? crazy. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, I think it is exclusive, and that's another huge get for them if it is. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a big one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I've been very impressed and enter- entertained by Sony's f- first party catalog thus far on PS4. Yeah. So, they still just don't have enough for me to justify buying it. I'm surprised Bloodborne didn't do it for you. And I was I was this close to buying a Switch just for Zelda. Yeah. And I I would <coughs> buy I don't know. I'm still maybe once I finish all the Dark Souls games, Bloodborne will do it for me. But right now I still have other games on a platform I own. Right. That I can Blood buy. Bloodborne is still my favorite Souls game. Really? Yeah, I'm into it's, it. it's so expensive. It's not portable. I mean, there's a lot of cons. Anything's portable if you set your mind to it. <laughs> my PC has a handle on it for that reason. It only weighs like thirty or forty pounds. On that note, <laughs> I, I think we're gonna wrap it up for this week. Um, tune in next week for. Stuff that we haven't thought of yet. All right. My name's Ahmed. I'll see you guys later. Bye.